0: Mm Hmm,
2: dunno
3: Day, hump day middle of the week day over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on monday that 's a good thing it 's a fantastic thing i 'm uh, excited about about uh, how things are looking today. Uh, the weather looks pretty good uh, a slight chance of a, a perhaps a, a passing thunderstorm could you know skirt us uh, if it does it'd bring you a real fast uh, downpour and then clear out. Uh, but other than that, look for a day of uh, some a little bit of sun, a little bit of clouds, and a high of 82 degrees. I'm going to tell you what, yesterday uh, was one of the coldest days, I think, in a long time, just because I had gotten used to, and probably you as well had gotten used to, the moderate temperatures of being in the mid uh, 70s to the mid 80s and then all of a sudden yesterday highest that we got uh, at least in Cabot was 53 degrees and most of the day it was in the upper 40s it was chilly out there with that rain in the area and, and that I actually turned the heater back on here at the house uh, to get the uh, the temperature in the house up to about 72 put it at 72 and kept it there but it got a lot of the moisture, I mean there was so much you know rain and it was it just felt damp all day and it that kind of just seeps into you so anyway, that is moved out of the area now uh we've got a, a warm front moving in, and we may have you know better chances of rain by the weekend, but the bottom line is uh it at least if it rains it won't feel like you're taking a cold shower uh, looking for tomorrow. Partly sunny, a thunderstorm in the area, a high of 82 again. And then on Friday, showers and thunderstorms around and a high of 78. Currently, uh, we're looking in, here at Cabot where I'm at doing the show, 54 degrees. Conway's 54, Little Rock 55, Pine Bluff 56. Hot Springs is uh, the cool place uh, in the area at 53 degrees. You, you think that they can't do anything crazier, and then they do. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about this in um, large measure at seven o'clock when we have Congressman French Hill here uh, to talk with us on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. He joins us every Wednesday, as you know. Uh, but uh, Nancy Pelosi came out yesterday. With another bill that she wants to pass uh over in the house and get the Senate on board with it to talk uh, about uh, hey let's let's do this uh let's do a three trillion dollar a th- let me say it again a three trillion dollar uh coronavirus bill a relief bill that they that they want to do and uh you know uh You've got everybody just going crazy about it because it's it's ridiculous. It's it's crazy uh, to listen to this. Uh, Kennedy, uh, Senator Kennedy down <laughs> in Louisiana, said that it was dead, deader than uh, a fried chicken when it got to the Senate. You know, he's a typical Southerner. He says things that just make you laugh and. Uh, yeah, he said that it really it it sucked like a, a Hoover Deluxe. Uh, that it was just an absolutely terrible piece of legislation. Basically, what this would do, uh, it, this wishless stimulus bill that they they've got out there, uh, and that she's releasing, and that uh, we're going to hear a, a lot more about. Uh, uh, today with uh, with uh, uh, Congressman Hill is that, you know, this this has got stuff in it like bailing out New York state, New Jersey state, Illinois, uh, California, basically billing out uh, or uh, bailing out their pensions and uh, their whole their whole budgets for their their states that they've run into the ground. They're going to expect your money to completely bail them out. And uh, that that's the kind of stuff that, that we've, we've got to stop and we can't uh, allow to happen. Uh, yesterday as well, and, and we'll get into that deeper at 7 o'clock. Uh, yesterday, just so funny, 538 is this website. Run by Nate Silver that everybody goes to, especially Democrats and people who lean left and say, Nate Silver knows what he's talking about. Look, this is what's going to come happen in the upcoming elections. Uh, And he's been way more wrong over the last, uh, oh, six years than he's been right. Let me tell you. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he saw Trump losing big and, and a whole lot of other things. Well. He came out with a story yesterday because there were a couple of special elections yesterday. And everybody watches special elections to say, see, told you. So anyway, uh, they had special elections yesterday in Wisconsin uh, and in uh, in California. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's interesting what came out of those special elections, and I'll get into them in just a second, but let me pull this story. I'm pulling a story up for you right now as we're speaking, uh, dealing with Nate uh, Silver here about these special elections and what they had to say uh, in their article yesterday before. Now, this is before the special elections, and Nate Silver uh, had to say this here. So. Going to 538, waiting for it to load up here. Two special elections today could hint at another blue wave in 2020. That's the headline. Two special elections could hint at another blue wave in 2020. Former Vice President Joe Biden leads to President Trump in most early polls Democrats are leading polls of the generic congressional ballot by 2018 level margins and general disapproval of the administration's handling of the coronavirus pandemic threatens to sink Republican prospects across the board. Today, we'll get a taste of whether Democrats' electoral advantage on paper will hold up in practice as California and Wisconsin hold special elections for two vacant congressional seats. The main event is the California 25th Congressional District, a bellwether seat in the north Los Angeles suburbs, where both parties say they see a chance to add to their ranks in the House. But if Democrats are also competitive in the quickly reddening rural Wisconsin 7th Congressional District, it could signal another blue wave in the fall. Now, here's everything you need to know about the two races. And so they break down California and they break down uh, Wisconsin. Now, California, their rep, uh, their race was to replace Democratic Representative Katie Hill, who uh, admitted to an affair with a campaign staffer and having uh, a lot of uh, wild sex while she was a congresswoman. Uh, And this would be your second round of voting as no candidate won an outright majority on March 3rd to claim the seat. Now, the other race and the one in Wisconsin is kind of was kind of an interesting one. And they thought that this was going to be a real test uh, for Republicans halfway across the country. Wisconsin held another election just five weeks after drawing widespread criticism for not canceling its presidential primary amid the pandemic. After the many mishaps of that election, Governor Tony Evers reportedly considered postponing the 7th District special but never pulled the trigger to cancel it, perhaps fearing that a court would overturn his decision yet again. Just like last month, polling places will be open, blah, 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 blah. And right now, they said uh, before the election, uh, uh, 538 said it looked like the Democrats were going to pull uh, the upset. So what happened? Well, let me uh, take you to uh, the story about that so I can give it to you exactly correct. Uh, the key race was for disgraced Democratic Katie Hill's seat in Democrat, uh, California. As of early this morning, Republican Mike Garcia. Now, remember, they said it's going to be a close race, right? going to be close, really close, uh, and that all uh, the precursors showed that the Democrats were in, in a good stead, and that they were in really uh, good uh, empower mode uh, across the United States. Uh, Marcus Garcia, the Republican, led with 76% of the vote by 12 points right now. 12 points. Here's a few things to think about. Sean Spicer... Uh, said, take a look at California 21. One, Democrats have about 30,000 more registered voters. 30,000 registered voter advantage. Number two, Hillary won this congressional district by seven points in 2016. Three, special elections are special. Don't read too much uh, into them, and I agree with that. And number four, uh, Smith was a flawed candidate who mocked garcia 's military service, who is uh, a garcia uh, is is leading by twelve points right now uh, a, a Republican now also is winning the Wisconsin special election in a in a conservative district, but which uh, Democrats said they would be highly competitive. Uh, two special congressional elections. The Republicans won in Wisconsin by 15 are, percent, and are shockingly up 12 percent in California in what was supposed to be a toss-up. Uh, Democrats are the party of lockdowns, and voters love lockdowns. Am I right? Says Sean Spicer. Just, just think about that for a moment. I, I, I keep telling people that the media not only did they lie to you about the Flynn case and the Russian collusion and everything else that's happened over the last 4 years but they they they're lying to you about what and how this election's going to go in November. I I am very 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 uh sure that the president's going to get reelected. I mean the media is doing everything not to ha- let that happen. The Democrats definitely are. You've got governors of Democrat states that are keeping their states closed, causing their people to suffer because they want Donald Trump out of office. Now, there's no doubt about that. You go, you sit down, you do the reading. I can tell you, but you go do the reading. And these Democratic governors are doing everything they can to make way uh, for Joe Biden, who I'm not even sure will be the Democratic nominee when it comes around in November. Uh, I mean, they, these are people who can't make up their mind whether they're going to have a convention or not. So how are they going to run the country? That's, that's my question for you. If you can't make up your mind whether you're going to do a convention, how can you run a country? You can't. It's not possible. And if you saw uh, that uh, the, the playback of Biden on Good Morning America yesterday, oh my God, you got to be thinking to yourself, how do I want that man to be my candidate? That man is ab- absolutely scary. What you saw yesterday on Good Morning America is the Joe Biden that will have to stand on the same stage with Donald Trump and debate him. And it won't be pretty, just telling you. 20 minutes after 6, we we're to take a break. Uh, I've got uh, Ryan Norris coming up at 6.35 today from the Arkansas chapter of Americans for Prosperity. And we're going to talk some about uh, Nancy Pelosi today. She's the big, big uh, uh, story right now with all these thousands of pages of uh, new coronavirus uh, bill that she wants to see passed. That has no chance in the world of, of passing. It's going to be... Uh, political kabuki theater for you uh, just know that that's on its way and they'll probably be voting on it in the house and then sending it to the senate uh doa okay quick break more coming your way here on the dave ellswick show uh it is uh, 55 degrees in little rock and we're looking for a high today of 82 traffic and weather let's get to it here at 101.1 fm the answer All right, we're down to uh, about six minutes left here in this first half hour. Let me remind you what the show looks like today. Uh, Coming up after the news at the bottom of the hour, Ryan Norris joins us. He'll be uh, calling in to talk about Pelosi and what she's uh, predictably trying to uh, pawn off as a coronavirus stimulus package, which is nothing more than a left-wing giveaway. Uh, She's going to be talked about uh, between Ryan and I and the folks at Americans for Prosperity uh, have a place we can go and sign a petition uh, that will be presented to the Republican establishment to fight this tooth and nail. Uh, 7.05, we'll get uh, some uh, looks into that uh, uh, coronavirus bill because we'll have Congressman French Hill with us, and he's going to talk about it, about what he knows that's in it, And uh, we'll give us some uh, specifics on it. At 7.35, yesterday we were talking about how education was going to change in the state of Arkansas with a lot more people uh, doing uh, their learning on uh, uh, streaming it from universities. And uh, Elizabeth brought up about how that will be tough here in the state of Arkansas because of our uh, falling behind bro in broadband uh, coverage and uh, Stephen Meeks is state representative who has been uh, the most involved in this and we're going to talk to him about that and what are the plans here over the next uh, uh, few months uh, before we get to the new session in the beginning of next year and uh, what they will be uh, probably passing to make broadband much more readily uh, uh, you know, acceptable and easier to get here in the state of Arkansas, something that needs to really happen for our rural areas, uh, for instance. But how do you do that without it breaking the bank? And we're going to talk about that. So uh, Stephen Meeks will be with us at 7.35, 8 o'clock. Joe and Duckus uh, hang around with us. Uh, they, of course, from bumper to bumper, uh, we're going to have a bumper to bumper person on with us for uh, at least the first half hour talking about how they keep their uh, technicians uh, up to date on what to look for uh, in your car, how to fix what's on your car. Because let me tell you what, things are changing so fast in automobiles. These guys have got to have continual, uh, uh, you know, schooling. So that they know how to deal with the uh, 360 radar on cars, uh, all of the cameras, all of the Wi-Fi, all kinds of stuff now that they've added to cars. You know, as that stuff comes out, uh, your technicians have to be schooled so that they know what they're doing and they can go in and they can uh, fix it. So uh, we're going to take time to talk about that as well, Uh, because, you know, with... 5G coming out. You know, everybody's 4G and and thinking how great it was. Uh, This new 5G is supposed to be just unbelievably fast. And uh, over in Korea, they already have it. And it is just, just, uh, you know, blowing the walls down on technological advancements. And they say that uh, when you get this 5G uh, seamless across the United States... Uh, that's when the autonomous cars will really start flexing their muscles, where you're going to be able to take your hands off the wheel and let your car drive itself. Uh, It's going to be able to take care of speed and all the rest. Uh, I've got uh, some positives about that that I like, and it's got negatives that I don't like. I don't like anybody being able to control my car from some central location. Because if they can control your car, uh, they can make it go where they want it to go if they need to. Uh, They can turn it off if they want to turn it off. They can pull it over to the side. So there's a lot of uh, dual edges on that technology that needs to be considered and needs to be protected. The other thing, and I think I'm going to talk about this tomorrow, just so you know, is the thing that people that are just, just so freaked out about uh, coronavirus people people think you're going to live forever and you're not i'm sorry to tell you this Uh, death is part of life Uh, and uh, they want you to put an app on your phone so they can keep track of you and where you're at so that if there's an outbreak they can follow the outbreak a lot closer i got a lot of problems with that we'll talk about that tomorrow but uh, that's a little bit about what's coming tomorrow. I've told you what's coming today, I'll tell you what's coming right now. It's the news, and it's on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Ryan Norris joins us by telephone. This is the way we do interviews uh, now <laughs> here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show because of the coronavirus. But uh, he joins us. He, of course, is the state director of the Americans for Prosperity Arkansas Uh, chapter, and it's good to have him with us, and uh, I was mentioning about Pelosi in the last half hour, and she's got a $3 trillion uh, coronavirus uh, stimulus package. It's about uh, 2,000 pages, a little less than that, but about 2,000 pages of just chock-full Santa lists, and and Mm -hmm. she says who who she thinks is naughty and nice and uh, is ready to hand out uh, a bazillion dollars to everybody and um, it's three trillion dollars is how much he wants to give away three let me just mention this because senator kennedy said this it's three trillion dollars and i forget how many billion dollar stacks it takes to make a trillion dollars but it's a lot and he says this is money that your grandchildren's children will have to pay mm-hmm. think about that not your children not your grandchildren, but your grandchildren's children. Three generations down the line will still be paying for this. We cannot afford to do this. I'm just telling you right now, we can't afford to do it. Ryan, tell my listeners what's in this thing, because it, it, it's, it's just uh, an abomination.
1: Well, we need to get a little bit of context on this. And again, Dave, thanks, thanks for allowing me to be on the show this morning to talk about this.
3: Sure. Uh, Three
1: trillion dollars. Of new spending. Now, this is on top of the 2.2 trillion that was put out in the very first CARES Act package around uh, March, and then there was an additional 485 billion that was set up again. Uh, this was Paycheck Protection, etc. In April. So we've already between March and April, we've we've gone over 2.5 trillion dollars that we've spent. Okay. We have we have moved the national debt. Uh, to 25 trillion dollars, and we, without spending another dime, we are going to be at 27 trillion dollars of debt at the end of this year. 27 trillion. So adding in three trillion more will put us at 30. Now, why is why is this all important? Well, number one, again, on context, this is would be the greatest spending package in U.S. history. If it were to pass, and it would also be the largest deficit, It doubled the largest deficit that was ever previously recorded. Uh, it is basically your grade school uh, approach to politics. Free ice cream in the cafeteria every day for everybody. Right. But they don't tell you about the stomach ache that you're going to have. Yeah, don't uh, so, don't,
3: forget, don't forget, it's free ice cream with sprinkles for some.
1: Right. Yeah. With sprinkles for some. <laughs> and and so so this is not statesmanship. This is not seriousness. This is not a bipartisan bill. This is not in good faith. This is completely about scoring political points and attempting to gain power. That's really what the the you you pull back the veneer and that's all this really is about. And it's all at the expense and gambling on the future of as Kennedy as uh uh, as Mr. Kennedy said, it's your children, your children's children, your children's children's children, and potentially even beyond that. So, again, why do we care? Why should we care about this if if we're going to, you know, there's going to be more money coming out, et cetera, for, for individuals? That's a part of the proposal. Well... When you look at the debt service, what we pay, we already pay about almost $500 billion a year for the interest, just the interest, not paying on the principal, the interest for the national debt. And, which, which and,
3: by the way, interest rates are at the lowest uh, mark they have been in the history, basically, of the United States and may mm-hmm. go down even further. But what goes down does have to come back up. Right.
1: Right. And so this so you're going to see that number even increase as interest rates would would go up, of course.
3: But to
1: put this again in context, if we have five hundred billion dollars are paying just on interest, we think that federal government, no one realizes that their revenue for like 2017 was three point three trillion dollars of annual revenue that they had. Okay, so they had 3.3 trillion, and you've had 500 billion. So you had, uh, or roughly 500 billion, nearly about 14, 15 percent of the revenue collected was going towards just towards debt interest, not not even minimum payments. Minimum payments will help bring that down if you continue paying them. Yeah, it stretches it out, but this is just on interest. So we're hitting this very critical point uh, to where. where that number keeps going up and it's not we're paying money we're paying this 500 billion right now to for things that have already the benefit has already been realized it is no longer a benefit is a drag on the economy it's no longer helping anybody because that money has been spent at that time as debt and now in the present is debt that that we're not getting the benefit out that project that program, that money went to that, uh, and, and that's, that's a gone issue. So now, as we move forward, all it is is a drag on our economies. And, you know, the U.S. debt-to-GDP ratio is now at about, uh, in 2019, was a, almost 107 percent of debt to GDP, meaning we have more debt than we have wealth-generated out of our country And the highest that we've seen was about 122 percent, and that was back in 1946, just after World War II.
3: Yeah, the worst time for this country, and we all remember how the federal government had to crank down uh, on spending because of that. Yes.
1: So, again, the context of it, debt does matter. It matters for, for us and for our children. Uh, they will be paying on this. They will have the – taxes will have to go up to eventually pay this, particularly as interest rates go up and borrowers start going, hey, where's my money? you got to do something more than interest. You're going to see increased taxes, decreased quality of life for your children, your grandchildren, and your great-great-grandchildren. It is the better policy to suck it up and cut and, and target. Maybe there does need to be some money sent. Uh, to help business, you know, I know that the small business loan program that they had uh, had set up, just the money went away, evaporated within hours of it, you know, coming coming online. Yeah, uh, yeah. maybe that's something, but not three trillion dollars worth, and well, not. With programs or with proposals in it that will actually devastate the the labor market in the U.S.
3: Yeah, well, Ryan, let's talk about how it could devastate the labor market, keep people from wanting to go back to work. But uh, let's talk real seriously about uh, when you look at uh, what else is in this uh, piece of legislation. This is a whole scale bailout of, of mismanaged states. Here in the United States, we're talking about bailouts for New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and multiple other states that mm-hmm. have uh, been run by free spending Democrats and uh, have put their states in huge debt holes and for pension plans, pension mm-hmm. plans that if anybody had used their right minds would have known we're going to go bust. And uh, now they're saying that. All Americans have to pay for the people who worked for government in the state of New York and in Illinois and in all of the rest of these states. It's it's a time it's time for the American people just to send a real clear message uh, to Pelosi. Uh uh Yeah. No, ain't going to happen.
1: Yes. You have five states that have asked for one trillion dollars worth of, of uh, bailout and. Uh, I had a a friend of mine calculated and they're saying the amount of money that these states are asking for actually is about double what their annual budgets were. So why are they asking for, you know, why were these states asking for double the money when they had, again, as you said, poor fiscal policy? They were overspending and they had these unfunded pension liabilities. Uh, They weren't dealing with reality. They were setting up these passing bills going we're going to do this for state employees to have great pensions but with no real mechanism to fund them and so they haven't been funding them and now they have unfunded liabilities and uh, in that pension and they want the american taxpayer to shore that up for them well if we in arkansas say okay well we're going to you know we're going to promise our state employees huge amounts of benefits and we'll just make it whatever because the the federal government will will bail us out. We you know in the future sometimes it's the time to get really tough. That's just no way to govern your state. Uh, Arkansas has been been doing a good job. We have the uh, you know Revo- Revenue Stabilization Act. It doesn't allow us to overspend. We've been trying to to save money for rainy days. Like we have been using some of that during COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's not right, Dave. It's just not equal justice. To have states who are keeping their fiscal house in order, not overspending, not overpromising in their pension funds, the federal uh, government taking and helping out these other states that have done the opposite. And then Arkansas taxpayers, federal taxpayers are on the hook for it.
3: Yeah, I read and I forget where I saw this at because I read a lot of stuff last night about this uh, particular piece of legislation that the average cost to every taxpayer in America is ten thousand dollars
1: yeah we we've seen it as high as like seventy five thousand and climbing wow depending on how on how you how you uh you may have uh, we that seventy five may actually be the taxpayer money but uh every person may be the ten thousand right uh, the ten thousand one but uh but again it's what has precipitated that is these states had high uh, state income taxes. Yes, they during the uh, the twenty seventeen tax uh, the the tax reform that we did uh, that you know helped kick off a really awesome economy for a lot of people. Uh, they had state and local tax reforms in there to where you couldn't take your state taxes and just, you know, subtract them away from what you were paying into the federal government. Mm -hmm. And so these states that had been going, well, it doesn't matter how high we raise our state income taxes because we can just take that money and put it to the side. The feds don't get it. We'll use it. Well, now the people are spilling the crunch and they can't just raise those state income taxes anymore because now you're having to pay your full amount of state And federal taxes. And so that's put them in a bind, and now they're looking at this opportunity to have all their sins washed away. And it's not fair for the people of those states either, Dave, on a principled stand, to have their governments get this bailout when really what those states need are reforms that protect taxpayers.
3: I agree. I agree. Hang in there, Ryan. We're going to come back because I want to talk about how this uh, particular piece of legislation will make some people that are unemployed want to stay unemployed and not go back into the job market. We'll talk about that when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our special guest, Ryan Norris. He is the state director of Americans for Prosperity. Uh, He's also going to tell you where you can go and sign a uh, petition and... uh, to let people know that you're not happy with what Pelosi's trying to do. That's all coming your way when we come back after traffic and weather. That's next here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Don't forget, coming up after the news, that's top of the hour, Congressman French Hill will join us, and he'll have his thoughts about what Speaker Pelosi is uh, proposing in the House. Back to Ryan Norris, who joins us right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And we've been talking about this this new piece of legislation that she's going to uh, be pushing on the House side. Almost 2,000 pages in this, 1,800 plus uh, on this. And a lot of it has to do with why people won't go back to work. And they're not going to want to go back to work if they pass this. Is that Mm -hmm. correct, Ryan?
1: That That is correct. You know, th- there needs to be an incentive for people to go back to work. And taking care of your family and finding meaning in your work is usually what drives people. You know, Dave, you've gotten to where you're at because you woke up in the morning, you've got a passion for radio and it fulfills you and you go out there every day and you give it 110%. Well, now there is in this package on the unemployment section, uh, they're asking for the unemployment benefit that had been uh, increased by $600 if you lost your job due to COVID to $1,000. And so to put this again in perspective, the average weekly income for someone who worked in the United States, the median, was $907. So the average weekly, uh, $907 a week. So you have the average uh, unemployment benefit before this was about $385 a uh-huh. week. You added 600 onto that. That takes it to 985 You now have people who are not working who are making more than when they did work. And then they're wanting to increase that from six hundred to a thousand, so you're adding in another. Uh, you know, you're making this, pushing this up to thirteen eighty-five. This will make a disincentive to work.
3: Yeah, let's so thinking- just, let's let's say this in a way that people can understand. All right, how what would you rather have a job and make eight hundred dollars a week? All right, I'm using these are not numbers of any consequence other than I'm using these numbers to make a point Mm -hmm. $800 a week or a government program sit on your duff get a check every week for $1,400 a week so which one would you choose right right you had people that before this
1: were were doing well they were working hard they were making the right decisions and now with this unemployment proposal it would make it more difficult for them because of that very psychology that you're talking about there to where they're going to want to get the greatest benefit. But then what's happening is is that when you have a small business owner call up an employee to bring them back, the employee says no because they they don't want to lose that benefit. They're not going to make as much potentially maybe going back to work. And so you have small business competing with their own government for a labor force. And the labor force isn't producing anything. And then it's incumbent on the employer to contact the unemployment offices and let them know the employee rejected it, their employment, which then kicks the employee off unemployment so that they have to come back to work. And now what do you think that employee-employer relationship is going to
3: be like? Yeah, and, I see that'd be a little adversarial.
1: Yeah, adversarial, to say the least. And it's created the unintended consequences of government appearing to do something good, but not thinking to those second- and third-order or- impacts. Uh, So it sounds good on its face that that they want to raise it to $1,000 and they want to extend it to January, but we should not allow this to happen because the American people, Dave, they are what drives this country. When you maximize their freedom, you align incentives so where, when they create value, they get compensation. That's what generates the wealth for this country. Our wealth is our people, and this is trying to put a brake and put, sh- put sugar in the engine to, that will seize it up and make it to where it will not be nearly as good as it was months ago or has been throughout the history of the United States. We need to reject this bell out.
3: So this Uh, is where Americans for Prosperity shine when it comes to economic issues like this. You all now are calling upon the people who are part of Americans for Prosperity and others who are hearing this of what you all are doing, and you want them to sign a petition, correct? Correct.
1: Yes. And just we've been working on this uh, as soon as we heard about it, the potentiality of it. We have right now uh, nearly 30,000 people have signed the petition. We've had nearly 100,000 contacts with uh, our elected officials offices. And we've been blowing up Twitter and uh, Facebook, getting people organized and having their voice heard. If you go to reject bailouts dot com, it'll take you just a few seconds. Uh, to click through it, sign the petition. It will generate inform- uh, generate emails that will go to your elected officials in Congress and just let them know uh, that we c- cannot afford to continue raising our national debt and burdening our children, our great, our grandchildren and our great grandchildren. We can't do that. We need to, to get through this by Finding ways to get the American economy going and letting the people get back to work in a safe and, and safe way, but not by just having a candy rain of benefits that go to some but not to others, and that disincentivize work and that will make it to where the small business owner is competing with their own government for labor and the labor that they 're competing with is is incentivized to to not to create value not to to be fulfilled in a job, but to just, you know, it, it's mind-boggling me that this is even something we have to talk about from people who consider to be serious political minds, serious statesmen, and they're putting these kind of proposals on the table, Dave. Totally, well, totally crazy world.
3: It, it, it's what happens when people are willing to do anything to seize power, and that's what we're seeing in our country. All right, we need to take a break uh, for news top of the hour. Ryan, thanks for the half hour. We appreciate it. Give them that, what is it, uh, rejectbailouts.com? Yes, rejectbailouts.com. All right, that's where you need to go today. Uh, You'll have some time to do it and listen to the news uh, while uh, we're at top of the hour. Rejectbailouts.com. I'll post that on my Facebook as well. Ryan Norris, thanks for the time, brother. We'll talk to you here uh, shortly down the line. All right, Ryan Norris is is gone. Coming up, Congressman French Hill will join us. We'll talk about Pelosi. Big, big news about what Nancy Pelosi is trying to do to our country, and it's not good. More of the Dave Ellsworth Show after the news. All right, we move into the second hour of a uh, hump day show. It's uh, middle of the weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday here on Dave Ellswick Show. It's a good thing. It's going to be a nice day today going to have a possibility of a thunderstorm about 20 percent a lot a lot more percentage that there won't be a thunderstorm and where the high yesterday was about uh, 50 degrees today it will be 82 degrees uh, which is much improved over what it was yesterday yesterday was just a really 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 bone-chilling day joining us uh, this half hour is, uh, of course, Congressman French Hill. He does this every Wednesday in the 7 o'clock hour. We're glad to have him with us. Thanks for joining us again today, uh, Congressman. I just got done talking to Ryan Norris from Americans for Prosperity here in Arkansas, and we were spending some time talking about what Nancy Pelosi is up to again. Uh, You know, I tell you, the woman is, uh, every time she opens her mouth, Uh, I I, my blood pressure goes up. I told Heidi I was going to go take another blood pressure pill this morning because this woman is crazy. She's crazy. And I think Ryan did a really good job of explaining it. He said watching her govern is like watching a middle school student govern where uh, they run for an office and they say free ice cream every day for everyone and to get people's votes. Uh, well, her her uh, promises are a whole lot bigger than this, and and her promises are destroying the American labor force uh, in the near in the, in the future uh, using government money. Uh, I got to tell you, Congressman, you got to be shaking your head on this.
4: Well, this one is distressing. Uh, I think her ultimate promise here is free recess for every worker in America, to use your middle school analogy. Mm -hmm. Uh, This bill, she proposes, we got it yesterday afternoon about 3 o'clock, 1,800 pages and $3 trillion in new spending. $3 trillion. We, over the last three months, have put together a series of bipartisan bills that are extraordinary that amount to two point nine billion trillion uh, a trillion in spending uh, and it shocks me but those were bipartisan bills to try to beat this virus and get our economy back to full capacity we haven't even gotten that money out to our schools our colleges our hospitals our cities our states in full capacity yet, nor have we gotten the money functioning to try to help the economic side fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet she comes right around with this policy, much of which has nothing to do with coronavirus and try to spend three trillion dollars. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have to I was speechless yesterday afternoon. In fact, they told me about it when I was on a television appearance. <laughs> and I, I got a text like one second to go. You know when the light
3: comes on, and right. I was I was shocked. Well, I mean, I haven't heard. Is is the two thousand dollars a month uh, per worker in this piece of legislation that she kind of hinted at? Is is that no, there? She um,
4: she extends these tax payments. She makes them bigger. She takes uh, uh, the some of the. Uh, requirements off of them, so she does uh, some more of these uh, tax rebate payments, but it doesn't go on, you know, for permanently like a, a income replacement strategy. Um, she extends unemployment insurance, this rich, rich unemployment insurance benefit, until 2021. Uh, she has the government pay for everyone's uh, Cobra, which is that.
3: Oh my god to
4: maintain your health insurance um when you lose your job uh it has uh extensive uh, more spending in it for uh states and local governments i have not read that section yet this is uh, almost a trillion dollars to states because they have revenue losses um that can I make a, a can I make
3: a suggestion to you before yeah. you read that section because I have before you read that section sit down i 'm just uh, telling yeah. you sit down or it's going to knock you down you 're not going to believe what 's in there
4: Well, I believe it because she has been taken over since last summer by the the liberals in her caucus, so i'm nothing will surprise me honestly. Um, but i'm i'm distressed Dave, because we had a bipartisan group working to fight coronavirus and she has just literally politicized but, it and yeah, we She worked blew that it up to keep keep that
3: yeah. yeah she blew it up that's what she did because she's there's no republican had any input into this at all i guess you know maybe she just sat down in her kitchen binged a lot of uh, chocolate ice cream, got a big sugar high, and sat down and wrote this. I don't know. But this woman is, is bona fide. I I think she's bona fide. I, I, the Botox has gone to her brain. There is no doubt in my mind. Well, she and,
4: got uh, her lieutenants drafted it. I don't think many of her members of her conference worked on this. Uh, my, my talking to my friends in the Democratic Party, uh, they weren't involved in writing this bill either. This was her top lieutenant. <laughs>
3: Okay. Who would those be? Stoy- uh, uh, you know, Steny Stoyer and, and a few others? Is that what we're talking about?
4: Well, uh, w- these are some of the intellectual guides to our nation. We have Jerry Nadler involved in that, Adam uh-huh. Schiff, Maxine Waters, Rose wow. Delario. Uh, so the list goes on. Wow,
3: you could add those uh, IQs together and not hit 50. <laughs> I'm just I don't saying. Know, but
4: I but I tell you, this is not. Uh, What the American people want right now. We want to make sure that we come together as a country, every one of us, and fight this virus and beat it and get this economy back. And that takes everyone putting their shoulder down and pushing hard. And we've got to do it together. And something like this just splits the, once again, splits that political divide we don't need.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, for, you know, when you look at this kind of stuff, uh, people say that I'm, I get too politicized. I can't believe anybody would say that about me, but they do. Uh, but uh, the bottom line is, is that uh, this proves my point. I believe the Democrats will do anything that they think is necessary, even bring down the pillars of our economic uh, machine that we have in this country to beat uh, Donald Trump. They've got TDS so bad that they are willing to do anything uh, to to beat the man. I mean, last night couldn't have made them feel any better when they they got whooped in in a California district uh, by over 12 points and they got whooped in Wisconsin uh, by over uh, 15 points uh, in in special elections. And uh, that takes away their whole narrative of how uh, as in Nate Silver's 538, before those uh, elections took place, how another blue wave was developing. I'm telling you, there ain't no blue wave out there, folks. That 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 water well is dry now. People understand what the Democrats are all about, and and they're having none of it. I I can't believe very few Americans would get behind this. At least fair-thinking Americans or people who can think at all. What do you think?
4: Well, look, Mike Garcia's victory in California last night, I think there's over 75% of the precincts reporting he's won it handily. He's an outstanding veteran, outstanding uh, a man who wore the uniform. He'll represent California. Well, this should have been a Republican district, but it was won by Katie Hill in the 18 election, who is the bisexual person who apparently dated somebody on her staff or whatever and, and resigned in disgrace from Congress. She was described as Nancy Pelosi as my precious Katie, uh, close quote. Anyway, Mike Garcia, I think, has won. This will send shockwaves through the Nancy Pelosi organization today that she lost a special election in California, probably the most dominant Democratic state in the country. So I think it sends a shockwave. Uh, Tiffany up in Wisconsin, great guy. He'll replace Sean Duffy. In the House. Tom is a terrific uh, contributor as well. Both these uh, uh, elections will face, uh, I think, replays this November.
3: No, I agree. And I, yeah. I, I've i been saying, you know, Nate Silver, did, did you happen to read their article before that election of how this is the precursor of another blue wave? I mean, uh, if this uh, is their blue wave, then I'm all about it.
4: <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm with. I try to read things I have to read. He isn't one of them.
3: <laughs> I try to keep up with my, my enemies as well as my friends, Congressman. All right, we'll come back, and let's talk more. Uh, we got more to talk about, and uh, let's talk about how this bill would have a negative effect on workers, people going back to work, and that's very important. And then I'm, I'm going to ask you the question. I'll let you think about it for a while, and that is, are, are, the, are Democrat governors doing things that they believe uh, will cause the president problems for re-election by holding up the recovery of our economy? We'll talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 17 after 7, let me remind you about P.I. Roofing and how good they are. Man, they did my roof years ago, and that was before COVID-19 was a a gleam in some uh, amoeba's eye. Uh, Bottom line is that uh, uh, they did a fantastic job. Uh, They'll still do a fantastic job. Uh, And they don't even have to come to your house uh, to talk to you about doing the job. And while they're doing the job, they don't have to get into contact with you then. They'll just fix your roof, and you won't have to worry about it. Now, they might have to come into your house if you use them uh, to fix some uh, leak that you might have had, and it's discolored your, you know, your ceiling and your living room, and they got to get in and cut out some drywall and patch it up and repaint it and things of that nature. But the bottom line is that uh, PI Roofing can do all of it from A to Z, whether it's on your roof or it's in your attic or it's on top of, uh, you know, on your ceiling, or it's some mold between the walls, PI Roofing can take care of it, and all you got to do is either call them at 707-3551 or go online to piroofing.com and, and talk to them there. Their social distancing taken care of, your roof and all these other uh, problems taken care of, and you don't have to worry about them while you worry about getting back to work and, and all the rest. That's PI Roofing, PIroofing.com, or 707 3551. All right, back with the Congressman, Con- uh, Congressman French Hill from District 2. Uh, before I talk any more about Pelosi, I want to stop because a big story broke uh, Monday, and that was about this uh, guy from uh, China working at U of A. That was found that he was taking money from the Chinese government and he was working for the uh, organization, I think it's called Thousand Talents, which is a uh, nothing more than an arm of the communist uh, Chinese uh, party in in China. And. uh, they're looking at this guy really, really closely, and there's a whole lot of other people. I mean, there's one guy that was working for Harvard, Congressman, that got $15 million from uh, 1,000 Talents to go out and, and uh, you know, get guys to, that are really smart to to work for the Chinese and to steal intellectual property right here within our borders.
4: Well, Dave, I call it the 1,000 Pro Plan, uh, not the 1,000 Talents. China has infiltrated our academic institutions with uh, spy rings and paying Americans with money to get information they want to have advantage in the highest technology and engineering and science in this country to try to beat uh, U.S. talent, U.S. academics, U.S. military. And it's shameful. And Secretary Pompeo warned us of this, that this was going on. And I want all Americans to know how uh, infiltrated this is. And I was so glad the FBI uh, performed their good work up in Fayetteville, although I was distressed that now the University of Arkansas has seen and been victimized by this kind of manipulation and deception.
3: Well, here's what bothers me. They're being victimized, but I believe so is UCA. They've got a Confucius Institute on their campus, and it's been proven that that particular institution is nothing more than another operating arm of the Communist Party of China.
4: Yeah, all, all boards of trustees need to really assess uh, research funding and uh, political activity funding consistent with uh, our... Uh, freedoms in the Bill of Rights here. We're obviously a very different country than a lot of countries in the world and we protect people's right to assemble and right to free speech on our academic campuses, unless you're a conservative of course, and then there are limitations <laughs> put on you. <laughs> <laughs> but, You're right. But but seriously, this is something that I don't think any Board of Trustees or faculty Senate should treat with uh naivete. Look and, and I just urge people to study this and you'll see the case you mentioned of course Harvard made headlines. Uh but you've got Emory University and, mm-hmm. and now Fayetteville. Uh, The Senate has declared China's recruitment programs a threat to American interests. That was back in 2019. So America is waking up to this uh, and it's really come in uh, quietly. Uh, I appreciate our our friend, Senator Cotton uh, thinking through legislation on how to get at this on research dollars and the transparency of it. You know, these, these, these professors are taking money under the table and not disclosing it. They know they're doing wrong. They've had, uh, in the case of Fayetteville, email chains trying to keep it a secret so they could get NASA funding and other American government funding. So uh, there's guilt here, and they know they're doing wrong, but we don't really have a specific law against it, so we're getting... Uh, these cheaters and thieves on things like tax fraud or filing a false income statement or uh, something of that nature.
3: Yeah, Elizabeth and I were talking about this yesterday, and said, "You know, they got him on tax ev- or you know tax fraud, basically, or wire fraud." And I said, "Yeah, I mean, they're they're taking him down." the way they had to take Capone down back in Prohibition. They couldn't get him on all the really nasty things he was doing, so they went after him for tax evasion, and they put him in prison for tax evasion. But they got him behind bars. What bothers me about all this, Congressman, is literally these recruitment programs are nothing more than putting spies all across America to steal our uh, intellectual property. I mean— from what i've heard the big deal that they're pushing right now is to get as much information as they can about the vaccines that our companies are working on so that they can be the first to get a vaccine for covid-19 and they can stand up and beat their chest and say to the world see we did it first
4: yeah this is uh, this is exactly what's happening and it's not new in american history we caught soviet spies at american research institutions in the 50s and 60s we caught german spies before world war one uh this is unfortunately uh china has invaded us not only with a pandemic disease but with a thousand thieves and so we're going to do our part of dismantling that
3: yeah so i guess it's what is it uh, Ali Chi and his his thousand thieves, huh? Uh, is kind is of kind of what it uh, what it's turning into. It's, it's a sad situation. Do you think? And I got a minute left here. Do you think that we are heading uh, with the thing about, that's happened with COVID nineteen, and now what's happening as far as we're finding all these programs that are nothing but fronts for the Communist Party of China? Uh, are are we running? Are we going into a, a new Cold War?
4: I think we could look uh, between what they're doing, what China doing on national security in the South China Sea, 5G technology up in space, uh, what they have done vis-a-vis not being straightforward with the pandemic, trade. All the countries are going to reset their relations with China. All the countries are going to become dubious of China. And China's reputation is in tatters. Uh, Twenty years of opening from the 80s have now been erased by President Xi's authoritarian, even more authoritarian, and more global dominant strategy.
3: Yep, the bamboo curtain is going back up. hate to say it, but it sure seems that way. The, uh, the, the people before Xi uh, seem to want to have a, a more open relationship with the West. That doesn't seem the case with this guy. Uh, he is consolidating power in, in his country, and he sounds like he sounds like a, a typical uh, Chinese uh, communist uh, for domination of the West. I appreciate you, Congressman. It's always great to have you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Doing, Dave? Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. Everybody. All right, bye-bye now, and uh, give hell to Nancy Pelosi, would you? Appreciate that. When we come back, we'll talk about broadband here in Arkansas with the man who's really been pushing it, that's State Representative Stephen Meeks. He'll talk to us next here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But first, Rush Limbaugh sitting in the wings, ready to talk to you, give you his morning update. That's happening now on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, we're going to shift gears now, move to a different topic as we talked uh, with the congressman about Nancy Pelosi and her 1,800-page stimulus plan that I believe is DOA uh, coming to Capitol Hill and uh, talking about uh, the, the Communist uh, Chinese Party and uh, their reach into academia. And now it's uh, reached into academia here at uh, in Arkansas, at the U of A. Uh, with this guy that they've arrested who has taken money from the Chinese government. You say, well, Dave, it's all about money. No, it's all about infiltration, and that's what's going on right now, and it's the Chinese government infiltrating into uh, everything they can infiltrate into, business, education, and everything, so that they can steal information uh, that allows them to keep uh, you know ahead of everybody in you know the field of uh, let's say just internet electronics and things of that nature and I'm telling you one of the things that needs to be looked at really, really hard and I would hope that uh, people are listening uh, is that UCA has one of these Confucius institutes on board at the uh, University of Central Arkansas. And they have been proven to be nothing more than a arm for the uh, communist uh, uh, the Chinese Communist party, and they're using these to uh, recruit students and recruit teachers. Uh, to do the bidding of the CCP. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Right now, though, I want to move into something else that we talked about yesterday. You'll remember when Elizabeth was on, uh, she and I talked about how COVID-19 was changing things. And one of the things that it is changing is the way uh, and being proven uh, of how much uh, learning by uh, being on your computer, by streaming uh, your information is And that uh, it's a good thing, and I think we're going to see a lot more of it, although I think some teachers' unions are going to fight tooth and nail to keep it from really coming to fruition. Uh, Bottom line is this. We've got a situation in Arkansas where uh, there's a lot of kids uh, in our state that do not have the uh, ability to reach out, hook up to a good Internet signal, and to learn this way. And for kids out in the Delta and places like that where we talk about problems with education, this is one way out of that. But broadband stands in their way. And last year during the general session, uh, State Representative Stephen Meeks, and before even that, uh, several general sessions before that, he has been fighting hard to get uh, Arkansas up and running on broadband. And he joins us here for this half hour. And I wanted to let's start off with this question for you, Stephen. Where are we? Have have we made some real uh, I know we made some movements forward for money and things of that nature in the last general session. Has that money come in and, and have we made the the moves that we need to, to make so that the kids are going to be able to hook up to broadband? uh
0: good morning dave first off and uh yeah uh we we have been making some progress um the one of the challenges with uh broadband though is it can be improving across the state but if you don't see it in your neighborhood it becomes hard to recognize it people wonder is anything going on are they doing anything so Uh so yes we are making progress uh the uh, progress is obviously it's being done by the providers, so the providers are leading the way on uh, most of the continued expansion. Uh, what we did in the session uh, last year was uh, a couple of things. First off, we uh, removed a regulation that prohibited cities from partnering with uh, providers in order to get broadband into their communities. And then the other thing that uh, we did was the state's broadband manager was kind of another hat that the DIS uh, director was wearing. So among all the other duties she had, being a broadband manager was included in that. And as you can imagine. Um, a agency director being pulled in all the directions she 's going to be pulled in broadband is not something she had a whole lot of time to focus on because she had to focus on her you know responsibilities within her agencies so one of the things we did is um, I passed a law that allowed the governor to assign somebody else to be the broadband manager so um, we got that passed. The governor uh, did assign a new individual to be the state 's broadband manager once that was accomplished, he did the uh, twenty five million dollars and uh, that is the first time since i've been a lawmaker that the state has proactively put money into this problem and so uh uh, you know a lot of kudos to the governor for uh for taking this small step now 25 million dollars in the grand scheme of this problem is small potatoes unfortunately but it's a step in the right direction uh the hope was is that we would be able to do a lot more coming up this next year obviously the viruses has uh, uh created some problems doing uh, doing that because it pretty much eliminated any state surplus that we have that we could have uh, put towards this so uh, what we did during the fiscal session and and one of the complaints that I've had during this whole thing is there are hundreds of millions of dollars that the federal government has set aside for the broadband issue to try to get broadband out into the rural areas. And a lot of our larger corporations, um, AT and T, Comcast, Windstream, they obviously have the personnel and the the manpower, the know-how to go after a lot of these large-scale federal grants. Right. The challenge. The challenge is if you're a small to medium-sized internet provider, um, you know, forty, fifty employees, that can be a big lift. Um, It requires hundreds of man hours. um, It requires expertise. And so very few have actually gone through all the hoops, if you will, in order to try to bring those dollars to our state. Um, My committee had a meeting about two years ago. where We had someone from the federal government come, uh, David Branscombe. He was one of our former colleagues. He now works um, for the the federal government. And um, they were practically begging us to come up with a way to try to bring these federal dollars to Arkansas to try to promote broadband expansion because that's what they were. Obviously, that's that's what the money was for, and they were looking for revenues for that resource to go out into our communities. And my hope was that the broadband manager would do it. That hasn't quite materialized the way we would hoped. And so during the fiscal session, um, an effort that was actually led by Senator Missy Irvin, um, Brand Davis, Scott Flippo, myself, and others uh, created a uh, essentially it's a new program. Uh, but what this program does is it uses uh, state uh, experts uh, over at UAMS who are familiar with going after federal grants. And it, and it may seem weird that it's UAMS, but um, they go after a lot of federal grants for telemedicine and telehealth, so they're familiar with uh, how to navigate the federal bureaucracy, if you will, uh, to allow them to partner with our small and medium-sized broadband businesses to help them and go alongside with them to help them be able to access a lot of these federal funds and also with a lot of the federal funds there's a requirement for matching funds and this allows the state to help with some of those matching funds um, you know if you're a small provider and you're looking to access you know 20 to 30 million dollars and you've got to come up with to three hundred thousand dollars out of your own budget that can be a huge stretch for a lot of these small companies so this will allow the state to partner with them to help them with some of this uh, partnership money to bring those federal dollars in so instead of us as a state you know putting 25 million and it has the buying power if you will of 25 million uh, if we can find the funding that's Still, what we're working on, and and, uh, potentially there's some of the CARES Act that we can use on this. But uh, the idea here is that if we put 10 or 20 million dollars into a program like this, that that 10 or 20 million could then be used to leverage, you know, a couple hundred millions worth of federal funds uh, that would go to our mostly small and medium sized providers to help us spread broadband across the state.
3: Okay, so who is this person now that's been in charge of broadband in the state? Uh,
0: so his name is uh, uh, Dr. Smith, so uh, different Dr. Smith than the Dr. Smith who's doing um, the, the health COVID- care with the government.
3: COVID-19, right, okay. Right,
0: right, yeah, right, yeah. He's, um, uh, he's over at Economic Development, and uh, he's, uh, he's actually an economist. Uh, and so he's been, uh, uh, and it's actually it's a part-time position. He he actually has other duties besides being the broadband manager. Um, but uh, primarily, what he's been focusing on is the governor's rural uh, expansion broadband program that the governor announced last year with the 25 million. So they've been trying to get the the. Uh, the the rules, if you will, regulations in place on how that program is going to work. Uh, Those have pretty much uh, been solidified, and now they're at the point where they're starting to solicit proposals and uh, to start working through those proposals to uh, to try to get that money out to the communities and to the providers.
3: So let me ask this of you, Stephen, and then we'll take a break. I mean, if you had to develop a timeline – uh, it sounds like we're still right around point A, uh, maybe even point B, but we're still playing catch-up really, really hard. I mean, I, I, I read a study uh, a couple of weeks ago that said that uh, Arkansas uh, lags way behind in broadband. How mm. long is it going to take for us to, to become a player in this? I mean, our kids are the ones that are suffering before because of this. Sure, sure. I, I, you know,
0: kind of like you mentioned before, I think if, uh, you know, as we get past the uh, the pandemic here, one of the things we're going to look at and one of the changes that we're going to recognize that the pandemic brought about is how much more we're using technology than we did before and how it kind of kind of pushed us in that direction more so than right. we might normally have, have gone. Um, and so to, to answer your question, uh, my hope is is that it would be sooner rather than later. Um, yeah, you know, most uh, national studies excuse me, have put Arkansas, uh, unfortunately, in, in the bottom ten states. And I think the, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think one of the keys to helping us to to catch up and to start uh, getting this out to so our rural areas better than we have done, and, and we are seeing some progress. Uh, but I think uh, grabbing these federal funds is going to be a uh, uh, a key portion to, to, to doing that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, up here in my area, up in uh, north-central Faulkner County, Windstream, for example, has been putting uh, wireless towers to add fixed-point wireless. Uh, and uh, it's going to bring broadband to a lot of areas of uh, parts of Faulkner and parts of White Counties that have not seen it before. And those towers have gone up, and they and they actually have already started providing some of that service. So um, we are starting to see some progress. Um, but I know if if you're in an area where you don't see these towers going up and you don't see fiber being laid, you you start asking the question: Is anything being done? Um, and, I, and I don't know where we're at on your break, but um, there's another technology coming. That Okay, um, let me ask you to hold about,
3: on. Yeah, let's talk about this other technology you want to tell us about after we come back from our break, if that's all right. Sounds good. All right. Our, our guest is uh, State Representative Stephen Meeks. Haven't had him on in a while. And uh, we, we're catching up on a lot of information here about broadband. And uh, when we come back, I'll ask him uh, if there's been any kind of research done into our Kansans understanding how important broadband is. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Know that 96% of Americans, according to Forbes, that's 96%, claim their Social Security benefits at the wrong time, and that mistake can cost you an average of $111,000. Learn how you could avoid this with a free Social Security analysis. That's from David Lucas Financial right here in North Little Rock. If you've saved more than $250,000 and have not filed for Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis and uh, now get that analysis at 501-222-3315. The free analysis can be done over the phone or video conferencing. Call 501-222-3315. One more time, 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. We're back with more with State Representative Stephen Meeks about broadband when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But first, traffic and weather. Our uh, guest uh, for the next six minutes is uh, State Representative Stephen Meeks. We're talking about broadband because broadband is absolutely necessary. If we're to move and stay in the 21st century, as far as I'm concerned, business it's important, but it's really important, I think, as far as education goes. Yeah. And with that, let's move back to talking to the state representative, Stephen Meeks. You said there was, a, there was something else that you specifically wanted to talk about, uh, uh, Representative Meeks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and actually, before I get to that, since you uh, mentioned education and, uh, you know, broadband is an area where Arkansas, you know, we usually get a bad rap. uh, I want to make sure that uh, the listeners know that uh, when it comes to our schools, Arkansas is actually in the top 10. We were the sixth. In the nation to get high-speed broadband to all of our schools, so uh, we saw that victory. I guess it's been about two years ago now. Uh, of course, the challenge, like you said, if the kids can have great broadband at school, now we got to get it to them at their home. Uh, so this new technology that I mentioned is the uh, the Starlink system, and uh, what the Starlink is, it's a series of low Earth orbiting satellites, uh, instead of like the the Hughes Net satellites that we have now that are out 25,000 miles, uh, and what has to happen is the signal goes from your home out to the satellite back to a ground station, and then it goes from the ground station back to the satellite back to your home, so 100,000 miles each round trip, and that creates lag times and, and creates uh, uh, bandwidth issues. These are low-Earth orbiting, so they're only up about two to 300 miles, uh, so that gets rid of that uh, bandwidth or, or the the latency issue. The, the trade off is, though, is instead of having one satellite, you now have to have hundreds. And um, the last time we sp- spoke, I think uh, they had just started launching these satellites. Uh, as of now, they actually have over 400 of them in orbit. Uh, I think they said they have to get to about 800 before they start offering a service to uh, to folks in a, in a beta capacity. Um, they're hoping to reach that milestone by the end of this year. Uh, as of right now, SpaceX has more satellites in orbit than anybody else in history uh, because of this. Uh, but the hope is, is that if all that goes well at the end of this year, then beginning uh, either first or middle of next year, that this service uh, will be available for the general public. And uh for the most rural of our uh, uh folks uh, this uh may end up being the best solution because it will offer uh, high speed capacity and it doesn't require us to lay a, you know a very expensive fiber line to uh, out to everybody's home, especially in the in the more rural areas of our of our state uh, isn't, is
3: it, it, isn't that the this is the dream of elon Musk is it not that is correct yeah yep yeah.
0: um he said he's. They've got 400 of these satellites up. They have done tests. Um, I read about one a couple of weeks ago uh, where the U.S. military, uh, I think it was the Air Force, uh, was doing broadband across uh, with some of the planes in flight, uh, and they were getting 600 megabit throughput through the satellite, wow. uh, even even as limited as it was. So, Man, uh, it's you still know, if you're, amazing. If you're you know a c-130 or an AWACS or whatever plane it was and you're getting 600 megabyte throughput then uh you know having a nice ground station uh you know obviously that uh trump's dial up or, or most other services today so um this holds a lot of promise and uh i think uh can help us get out into the more uh you know more rural areas of our state um if if all of it comes to fruition, obviously it's a new technology. It'll need to be and There's going to be hiccups along the way, um, but uh, but I think it's uh, I think it'll hold great promise for us. Uh, you know, as they get that up and get it uh, get it going, and the technology matures.
3: State Representative Stephen Meeks, we're we're down to one minute. Uh, where are we? Do we have the support? I mean, I understand you understand this, and some other people understand this, but across the state. Uh, house and the state senate how well understood is this broadband for them
0: um, as far as the uh, support among the general assembly it has uh, strong support and uh, strong support from both sides of the aisle uh, it doesn't matter whether you're republican or democrat everybody uh sees the uh the need and the importance of uh, a good internet uh, you know capability for our citizens and so um not, not Not really been an issue um, getting anything passed or through the General Assembly. The, the challenge has just been, you know, what programs are we going to offer and um, how are we going to try to promote this in the best way possible?
3: Okay, um, I got I to jump in. We're out of time. Let's do this again next week. I'll be in touch. We'll get you back on next week, all right?
0: Sounds good, Dave. You
3: and uh, right. everybody
0: have a great day.
3: Thank you, Stephen Meeks, state representative in broadband. It's an important topic. We got Joe and Duck coming up next, right here. <laughs> All right, let's get back to it. Final hour of a Wednesday show. Let me remind you, tomorrow seven o'clock, really a a special interview. Uh, Governor Asa Hutchinson will join me for a half hour and talk about the COVID-19 pandemic, how it's affected, uh, you know, Arkansas economically and uh, uh, psychologically as well, and uh, where we are in reopening the state. We're in phase one and when would Phase Two kick in? That's uh, the, the question. Some of the questions that I have for him here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. So we'll get to that tomorrow uh, at seven o'clock. So you don't want to miss that. I'm working on some other people as well uh, to join us tomorrow because. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of news out there right now that we we really need uh, to talk about. Eight minutes after eight, it's time on Wednesday in the eight o'clock hour. We do this every Wednesday. We got Joe and we got Duck from Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers, and they're going to talk about cars. They'll take your questions at eight two three zero nine six five eight two three zero nine six five. We led into this hour doing a discussion with state representatives representative Stephen Meeks about broadband. Uh, I can tell you that uh, being able to do uh, training and do it well, uh, broadband helps with that. If you have great broadband, then you can hook up to webinars and things of that nature. And Charles Wilson joins us from Bumper to Bumper. He is the uh, person in charge of their training department. And Charles, let me just start off the, uh, uh, the hour by asking you Uh, you're doing more webinars now than you have ever done, uh, one, because of COVID-19, but two, cars are changing so quickly that it is important for uh, technicians to stay up with those changes, and that's your job is to to keep them well-educated about those changes, Correct.
2: Uh, that's absolutely correct, Dave. And I, I want to say good morning to you, and good morning, Joe, and good morning, Duck. It's a pleasure to be here with you. But uh, you're absolutely right, Dave. The the automotive industry is uh, one of the industries that just never stops changing uh, with new technologies coming on online uh, uh, every year. And uh, so it's very important that we keep our, uh, uh, our technician base out there up to date on the most current uh, diagnostics and repair uh, techniques that are available to them so uh training is extremely important to keep uh, keep 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 them up to date on all of the uh, the new technologies that are <clears throat> that are coming out
3: so how difficult is it on you i mean you got to learn something new all the time i mean we've got changes going on in how cars run i mean uh, we're getting to the point where we got electronic brakes, we got electronic steering, we got things of that nature, but on top of that, you got all the bells and whistles that the consumer wants with Wi Fi in cars, with uh, 360 degree uh, sensors, and uh, you've got. Hundreds of, of small computers in cars now. You need to know how to be able to track them and how to how to fix them, and uh, that's a lot of information. You've got to be able to know yourself to be able to disseminate it to the people who work uh, for these bumper-to-bumper certified service centers.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, well, fortunately, we have some we have some uh, outstanding uh, vendor partners. Uh, that have exceptional training uh, programs that uh, we utilize and uh, coordinate, and uh, um, to, to you know keep the real experts out there in front of the technicians and, and giving them the most up-to-date uh, uh, information as possible. So uh, you know our hats go off to all of those uh, tremendous vendor partners that, that assist us uh, in delivering some really high-quality uh, uh, training.
3: Okay, before I get duck and uh, Joe involved, one last question, and that is where are the areas of uh, your most concern uh, that you're doing webinars to make sure that these technicians know how to fix? Again, uh, Joe always says that they don't just, like, look at cars and, and tell you what's wrong with them or whatever. They fix cars. They make sure that the, uh, the problem you've got is fixed what are some of the main big areas now that two, three years ago you didn't even give a second thought to?
2: Well, it's a it's a matter of just getting the information out during a, a period of time where uh, historically what we've uh, normally uh, done is uh, not so much uh, 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 you know electronic communication and media, but uh, we 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 hold hands-on clinics, diagnostic clinics uh... and uh... those are done you know in person face to face uh... with an instructor uh... and uh... you know that in these days is is changing because we because of restrictions and not being able to uh... gather people together so there's been just a a rapid swing to uh... transfer uh... the ability to get uh... training knowledge out to these technicians uh... over to uh... a different medium and uh so uh it's 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 getting the uh getting getting many people involved uh, uh the uh the the parts alliance uh, is one big key factor in uh in, in helping us develop uh a webinar uh, type training and uh we've uh, been uh Feel like we've been pretty successful as far as getting uh, those webinars out to uh, our certified service centers and their technicians. Uh, we're holding them every, almost every day, every week uh, through this restriction. Uh, they uh, uh, they're, they're still high quality uh, and uh, and carry a lot of really good information. But as we go forward and we look, uh, you know, uh, towards the future. Uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll be utilizing this type of uh, training uh, technique uh, quite a bit more. All
3: right. Joe, Duck, you guys want to jump in here? Sure. Go. I just wanted to
5: say that uh, Charles and Elizabeth, uh, you guys have done a fantastic job, you know, taking our training from hands-on and then putting it in the webinars. and, and, And how fast you did that amazed me. You know, because we have to have our social distancing, no gathering and all that. So we went from hands-on clinics to online clinics. And I was amazed at how quick you guys transferred that over and how quality it is. You know, I I, I don't really think that you guys have missed a step in that. So I wanted to give you guys an attaboy
6: for that. Well,
2: thank you Another very much, to- Douglas. Another
6: thing, too, Dave, uh they have been overbackers to help us and in the long run. this I mean, they've been helping us for all the years. You know, we've been in business to help us, but they've always come through when we needed something. That's what I want to give them a boy about. Whenever we need some new training, they come up with it.
3: All right, so Charles, let me a- ask this question. that We've had this COVID-19. It's forced you and uh, other folks that work with you To uh, make some changes, and that is, how do you take a webinar and make it as good as being on site? i got to believe there's some challenges to that. Uh, And is this the wave of the future so that shop owners can save some money and they don't have to send their people somewhere and... And, and maybe pay for overnight stays and food and things of that nature, but the guys can get the gunk out and clean off their hands and their forearms and stuff after they've worked. They've got a big TV sitting there in the, in the, in the, at the facility, and they can sit in front of it, and there's a camera on them, and uh, they can ask their questions, and they can watch everything from, uh, from their sight. I mean, what's the future of this? It, uh, it's it's got to be a, a good thing that's going on
2: uh yes uh you know there's there's a little bit of downside to it as uh as uh, um, the ability to have larger groups uh interact with each other um, uh, in my mind david i I think as things will eventually return uh back and things open back up. Uh, the ability to bring an instructor in and have uh, live interaction during a uh, during, during an you know an automotive training clinic is uh, is something that that uh, uh, is uh, still going to be needed. But, yes, you are correct. I do believe that uh, uh, it, it is a tremendous advantage to the uh, shops and their technicians to be able to have more and more of this type of training. And as we get better uh, with uh, understanding how the different webinars platforms operate, uh, you know, even within our own company, uh, we're, doing virtu- we, we're, we're venturing into doing virtual training uh, instead of classroom training. Uh, and uh, uh, so we're learning how to use the different platforms where we have some interaction and questions and answers and can have uh, open dialogue with a number of people. So as we get better and better with those platforms, uh, and uh, I, I think it'll just make the training even that much better. Uh, so I think as we eventually return back to normal, we'll have a blended mix of, of that, uh, uh, depending on the, the – the, uh, uh, you know how technical uh, the instruction level is, uh, and then how many people we would need to be able to bring into a uh, into a training atmosphere. So, I think we'll eventually get to where it's a, it's blended. But you'll you'll continue to see as we get better and better uh, that uh, uh, we'll utilize that uh, because it is an advantage to the shops.
3: All right, 18 minutes after eight, we got to get a break in. Let's do that. Our special guest uh, for the rest of this half hour is Charles Wilson. He's with Bumper to Bumper, he's in their training department. A little bit of behind the scenes information for you about how they keep their technicians at the Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers up to date on all the changes that are taking part, uh, taking part of the automobile in. you know their uh, their field they've got a they've got to know how to fix all this stuff and uh, we are undergoing some of the biggest changes since the model the model T was invented we'll be back with more for you in just a moment 18 after 8 right now traffic and weather on 101.1 fm the answer Now yeah, remember if you have a question about your car your daughter's car your wife's car or whatever car I mean, maybe the one that you stole last night, uh, you can call in at 823-0965. 823-0965, That last statement was a joke, all right? Uh, you can call in and talk to Joe and Duck. And uh, our special guest is Charlie Wilson. He's uh, the head of the training department for Bumper to Bumper, who uh, sponsor our Saturday show, uh, the Bumper to Bumper car and truck doctors and Joe and Duck are with me right now and and Joe you had a question for Charlie what was it
5: yeah Charles uh, you know uh, the online training how quick y'all transitioned it over but uh, I think you need to tell the listeners a little bit about how you incorporated that into the technician of the year because uh, every year talk a little bit about bumper to bumper in the alliance how their competition is for the tech of the year and how you incorporated some of that training into that, so they got credits for that because they were missing out on their hands-on training.
2: Sure, Joe. Uh, well, I get the I get the pleasure of coordinating the bumper-to-bumper uh, certified cert- service center Smart Tech Education Program. So this is a program that is. Uh, 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 we're kind of hooked at the hip with the parts alliance so it's a national program uh the program supports and recognizes our uh bumper to bumper certified service center shops and their technicians for their pursuit of continued education and ASC certifications. So we put together a uh, basically a, uh, a program or a contest where uh, we have technicians sign up each year uh, and compete uh, where they earn points for different types of training and, and, and ASC certifications. And then uh, at the uh, end of the program we Select the top 10 point earners for the amount of education that they were able to book uh, and attend. Uh, and uh, a lot of that had to do with uh, live training, uh, uh, you know, where they actually attend clinics. Uh, and, uh, so this year was a little bit of a challenge, but I think we reacted well to it. And so what we've allowed them to do is, uh, uh, a lot of our webinars that are being held, uh, through web, uh, through electronic media, uh, they are live, uh, instructor-led webinars. And so we, uh, we, we, uh, extended the point count over to allow technicians to watch those and uh uh uh, supply uh the necessary uh evidence that they had attended those webinars uh and we're giving points for those in in lieu of the um live training uh and so uh the program seems to uh can you know be right on track and uh i know that uh our, our our Program will uh, come to an end for this year on at the end of June, uh, and what we do is so we bring the top ten point earners in. Uh, we have a nice celebration weekend for them, uh, uh, and we have an awards banquet. And out of those top ten, the very top point earner, uh, becomes uh, our bumper-to-bumper Certified Service Center Smart Tech of the Year, and we provide that person to the Alliance, Parts Alliance, and they are brought into, uh, well, like last year, they brought them into San Antonio for a wonderful uh, weekend celebration uh, where they brought their spouses, and uh, and they're at that particular competition and awards uh, ceremony they are uh, they are they administer them a specialized asc test and all of them take that test and the uh this this is technicians that are supplied from canada from america from uh, from uh, mexico uh so it's a, it's a pretty big deal uh, and then the top point earner on that asc test becomes the national uh, bumper-to-bumper smart tech of the year so it's a really good program it's something that really took hold two or three years ago and it's grown every year and so it's all it's a lot of fun to be able to uh, be part of that and coordinate that and and watch that uh, watch that happen all through the year.
3: Okay, we got, we got a break coming up, but, Duck, why don't you go ahead and say what your question is, and then uh, we will uh, get ready for Sean Hannity to join us, and then we'll come back. Can you stick with us, Charles, for one more segment, about another 13 or 14 minutes? Yes, sir. Okay, so you stay right where you're at. Duck, what's your question for uh, that you want Charles to answer when we come back? Well, my question is, Dave,
6: you know, they went to doing this all online, I want to know how they come up with the ideal, how to put it all online, and who come up. You know who who does all the programming and everything for that.
3: Okay, when we come back, we'll talk about that because I mean, when you're doing something online, uh, you've got to shoot it in such a way that the camera can literally get down to where the person who's demonstrating the problem and uh, the fix that you can see what he's doing with his hands. He, you, the, the technicians have to be to able to identify where you're at on the motor and things of that nature. Uh, I a question I have uh, that I wanted to bring up to Charles, uh, Jerry just kind of answered it for me, that you guys archive these, uh, these videos, and we'll talk about that as well. So that gives the bumper-to-bumper uh, certified service center's technicians the uh, ability to go back to for instance, kind of like a library, and let's say they're having problems uh, uh, fixing a a problem on somebody's car, Uh, they can go back and perhaps there was a webinar on that. They can sit down and watch the uh, webinar and get some necessary information. Perhaps they need for the uh, the fix so we'll do we'll, we'll talk about all that when we come back if you got a question about your car eight two three zero nine six five is the uh, the number we'll get your questions in as well i've got some questions uh, from listeners also that i'll i'll read to uh, joe and duck and let them answer but right now they're going to take a little bit of a break while we wait for uh, sean hannity don't forget tomorrow seven o'clock uh, half hour from 7.05 until 7.30. Uh, my special guest will be the governor. Uh, governor Asa Hutchinson is going to come on, talk about COVID-19. And I want to know the behind-the-scenes stuff. I want to know how difficult it is uh, to sit around a table with everybody and come to a consensus. We're going to talk about that tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But right now, Sean Hannity on 101.1. It's uh, 24 minutes till 9. Charles Wilson is our special guest with Doc and Joe here on our uh, Wednesday edition of uh, Getting Your Car Fixed. Uh, these guys answer all of your questions. But Charles is the uh, training department uh, head for Bumper to Bumper. And it's his responsibility to keep the uh, uh, technicians up to date on the latest uh, uh, changes uh, to automobiles so that they can fix your automobile when you roll it into, you know, Joe's or Ducks or the folks at uh, Affordable over on Broadway or down there in Benton to, you know, Gary Henry and uh, his uh, transmission place, whomever you happen to go to, that's a bumper-to-bumper certified service center. Uh, Charles Wilson is keeping their technicians up to date. So uh, Charles, uh, Duck asked you an interesting question in asking who makes the decision what you teach and what do you do to be able to teach it, and uh, I'm going to let you have about five minutes to talk about that because you probably need a half hour, but you get five minutes, so I'm going to turn it over to you, Charles. You go.
2: All right, thank you, Dave. Well, uh, Duck, that was a really uh, uh, interesting question. I had to contemplate on it here just for a little bit, but uh, I I will share you uh, this information with you that uh, you know we have some really, really talented folks at the Parts Alliance uh and they work hand in hand with our parts manufacturers uh, who all have very dedicated training uh organizations uh that uh, uh, within that manufacturing company they're very well versed're they very well uh in- informed uh, and they uh they've got a lot of experience as far as being able to uh, put together uh these training formats that they put out on uh Webinars, uh, the, the uh, production quality of the webinars—that that's a hats off to the Parts Alliance uh, and the manufacturers' uh, production teams, uh, and. Uh, so, I, certainly on, on my end, I I wouldn't want to take any uh, you know credit for that. Uh, we let uh, we let folks that are are, are very well versed in uh, uh, the uh, video production uh, uh, you know take that role, uh, and they do a really really great job. Uh, but uh, together, uh, in coordination with uh, the Bumper to Bumper Alliance and uh, and those manufacturers, uh, there is a tremendous amount of training offerings that they do. Uh, but those manufacturers are constantly out in the field working with our uh, certified service centers and shops and their technicians. They are constantly uh, gathering information and providing that to to uh, their, their companies as far as uh, what technicians uh, are saying that they need. And that's where they focus on uh, providing uh, uh, technical instruction uh, is from feedback that comes from great shops like Joe and Duck and, and all of the bumper-to-bumper certified service centers. And so they, they're catering to what demands that the technician base out there are, are, are asking for. And they do a really good job. Uh there's a tremendous amount of training on each one of those manufacturers' websites. Uh they put those out there as you stated before. Uh once uh once a webinar takes place or or even sometimes uh, the ones that aren't on webinars, the recorded uh uh training uh lessons are are often stored on those websites so that technicians can go back in, jump back in and, and, and uh target in and, and refresh their memories. Uh, on what uh, what technical advice was given? Uh, so uh, it's it's just a uh, a well rounded approach to being able to have training at a technician's fingertips. But those decisions are uh, are kind of nailed down by the alliance, and then they provide those uh, to us. And then it's really uh, our department here locally at Bumper to Bumper to be able to provide that to uh, and get that word out through our uh, our. Force in the field uh, to say, "Hey, this is uh, these are the techni- uh, the uh, webinar options that you have uh, for the week, and here's the links and uh, and then uh, uh, that ultimately boils down to the shop and the technicians to choose which webinar is going to be the most beneficial to them. So that's kind of how it how it boils how it how it rolls down, uh, and then eventually gets to uh, uh, Joe and Duck and all of the uh, service centers uh, uh, in their hands.
3: All right. So, Charles, where when uh, the alliance puts these uh, particular videos together, uh, these learning videos. Uh I don't know how closely you work with the alliance if you visit them and, and watch them or whatever, but uh, these are miniature movies that they're shooting uh, for the technicians, and they've got to be sure that whatever they're putting out there is understandable. Do they storyboard everything? I mean, are all the shots figured out beforehand, and then they go into the uh, the studio and 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 you know they uh, uh, they practice it and then they shoot it to make sure that. Uh, They know everybody's going to understand what it is that they're talking about and showing them to do. And then you got the camera shots that make sure that the technicians can see what it is that they're doing.
2: Uh, you've got it, uh, you got it right, Dave, uh, they, uh, uh, it, it's all done in coordination, there is, uh, you know, the manufacturers are actually uh, putting it together, but because they're live webinars, uh, you know, they just don't, don't just show up and, 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 and take off with it, there's, uh, uh, there's a lot of rehearsal, uh, uh, there's a uh, uh, there's video feeds, there's PowerPoint uh, uh, presentations, There's uh, a lot of different uh, screen transfers back and forth from live to PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. to. Uh, to the, uh, to, uh, video content being inserted, uh, and all of that has to be, uh, rehearsed, uh, because it has to be done in a certain amount of time. Uh, yep. so if you just can't ramble on, ramble on, you have to hit times, uh, which means you have to maybe remove a little bit of content or maybe add some content or some commentary, uh, to make sure it flows smooth. But these, these folks are really, really, uh, uh, good at what they do, and uh, we're real proud of the the, the final product that eventually uh, goes live on these webinars that's provided to the technicians. So, uh, again, our, our hats off to the uh, production teams at the alliance and the and the production teams at the manufacturers because they do a great job.
3: All right. Well, final question for me, Charles. Uh, all of these webinars that you guys are doing, uh, and Jerry Roca just sent me a text saying that these are archived. Are they? available to the general public is that archive available to the the average joe that is out there that would like to maybe watch these because i'm going to tell you what why watch why would you watch youtube and watch some guy that says he knows what he's doing and maybe doesn't where you can go somewhere where the people absolutely know what they're doing and they'll give you the really professional grade production you need to be able to see how to do it if that's what you want to do
2: yeah. Uh, well, as uh, from our from our standpoint, the uh, uh, alliance production and the uh, uh, the technical webinars that we are providing to technicians uh, are extremely in depth uh, and uh, not uh, generally designed for uh, uh, someone at home to, to watch and 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 probably get as much out of them. So uh, okay. the archived recordings are not open to uh, to the, uh, the the public. Uh, the certified uh, service centers and their technicians do have the ability to uh, obviously tap in and uh, and pull those uh, archived recordings back up so they can watch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, to, to say it's open to the public, well, that's the, for these particular type of we- webinars, they're not.
3: All um, right. Well, that makes sense to me. I mean, you got to have some proprietary uh, material, and that's some of your proprietary material. Charles Wilson, head of the training department for Bumper to Bumper, thanks for the uh, 45 minutes today. Very interesting.
2: Thanks, uh, Thank Charles. you very much, Dave. For letting, thank you, Joe and Duck, for letting us, uh, letting us have some time.
3: That was really interesting. Thanks a lot. Let me get into my final break here uh, for today. When we come back, Joe and Duck Ducca take on a couple of car questions as we continue. Here at 101.1 FM, the answer. All right, 10 minutes uh, till 9, 10 minutes left in the show for a Wednesday, your hump day, middle over the weekday, hill day, closer to Friday day than we were on Monday. And we got a, que- a question from Gene, guys. Uh, Joe and Duck with us now. Uh, Gene uh, has a 2010 Lexus LX570 8 cylinder 5.7 liter uh, engine. He says, My car would not restart. No power to interior lights. Had to jump start the car to get it home. On the drive home, the electrical system was unstable and seemed to be ready to shut down when I stopped or if the engine's RPMs were lower than 1500. If I kept the RPMs above 1500, the electrical system steam, seemed to remain stable. The battery is a Lexus battery with a seven year warranty and is only three and a half years old. Is this a battery failure, an alternator failure, or something else? Any help is welcome. All right, guys, there you go. What do you say? Battery. It's the battery. Yeah, it's the battery.
5: I'm to say battery too.
6: Yeah,
3: because it, it wouldn't run if the alternator was Okay. Now you
5: can take, yeah, you can take a battery that's bad, that's gone bad, and it got a bad cell in it. <laughs> a lot of times, uh, even though the engine's running, the alternator's putting out, if that battery's got an internal short in it, it's gonna it's going to make the alternator and the electrical system a little bit funky as far as the lights flashing, setting codes, low voltage, things like that. Uh, yeah, I think if he had an alternator issue, he would have had a warning light on prior to the battery going dead. He would have known about it. So I think the battery's just uh, like uh, it's probably got an internal short in it or something.
3: Right. Got a bad and, uh, cell in it or something other. You know, bottom line is it, it may only have done half its life. It's going to get prorated, so you're going to get some money off of the next battery you buy. Correct.
6: You can go buy a new one cheaper, and you can prorate that one out, Dave. Really? That's a fact. Yes, because they're going to prorate it off for less price.
3: All right. So there well, you go.
6: Well, that and
5: and and if you get it prorated, it doesn't give you another seven year warranty. No. You you pay the prorate, and they install the battery, and then you only have what's left on that warranty on that replacement battery. Yeah, oh, it okay. starts over. All right, so You would be better off to purchase a new one and get a like a 30-month or 40-month free replacement on it before the prorate comes in.
3: All right. Willie is out in Benton. He's got a question for you guys. Willie, what's your question for Joe and Duck? Joe and
6: Duck, I've got a 2008 Toyota Avalon with 42,000 miles on it. How often and what kind of oil should I use? What year model was it? Oh,
4: really?
6: 2008. Um, what size motor is in it, Willie? I don't know. Well, Willie,
5: uh, if, if you open the hood and look at the oil cap, it'll tell you.
6: Yeah, it'll tell you what <laughs> to put in it. Yeah, it's, it's probably going to be a synthetic 2008
3: model. Yeah, it's oh, going to really? be like, five, yeah. like sickle-
5: 520.
3: Yeah, just a 520. Yeah, take a look at your oil cap, Willie. It's got all that information. Thanks for the call. I got another question that I got to get to here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stan has got a 2004 Ford F-150 Lariat, eight-cylinder, 5.4 liter. How much should it cost to replace front rotors and pads? The vehicle has 40,000 miles. I was told the front rotors are warped and cannot be machined or turned. Cost, 800 bucks. Brake pads were originals, and rotors have never been machined. What say you guys?
5: Well, I say that $800 is too much.
6: Yeah, okay.
5: me too. And, yeah, some of those rotors on those Fords, they had the wheel bearing pressed in them. I, I'm curious to know if that's a two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive or what we were actually working on. But I'm going to say even with the ones with the... With the uh, Bearing in the rotor assembly, you're still probably looking at around six hundred dollars, five to six hundred. What do you think, Duck?
6: Five to six—that's what I was saying. Somewhere around five fifty.
3: All right, so go and get a second uh, opinion and save yourself a couple hundred bucks—is what you're saying?
6: Yeah, but
5: I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about that if we could for just a minute, Dave. Okay, go. Uh, a warped rotor is generally—it's due to overheating. So he may have another underlying problem there, like a brake hose that's restricted or a brake caliper that's hanging up. Yep. And, but, but, you know, if you get a rotor hot and it gets hot spots in it, you can't machine them because that makes the metal softer in one area than another. So when that lathe goes across it, it just jumps over it. So the rotors are junk if they got hot spots in them. And, and basically, the rotors today on a lot of vehicles, they're composite and they just slip on. The price of the rotor is low enough that we don't even machine rotors anymore, do we, Doug?
6: No. No, but you can buy a new one, and most time when you go to machine them, they're already below specs to start with.
3: That's a fact. All right. You cannot turn a
6: rotor if it's below specs.
3: Yeah, that's, that's important that everybody knows. You get below specs. They're not safe. It's that simple.
5: Well, they get thinner and thinner, and then they won't stand the heat. But but if if both rotors are are uh, warped on that truck, he may have something else causing that other than normal braking.
6: And It could be his rear brakes is not working, Joe. You know he could. Oh, yeah,
5: it could be you know, that. Uh, if he if he toes a trailer with it, it could be trailer brakes not working, letting them overwork and get too hot. Yep. You know his uh, there, there's a few things to check. If both sides are. Got hot spots in them? i would be looking for uh, some of issues of holding them on or some reason why the front brakes are overworking and the rear ones aren't keeping up, you know. so.
3: Yeah, All
6: right. he, he's probably got another problem along with that. The right,
5: yeah, so thing about it is, if, if you don't fix it, it's going to happen again.
3: That's right. it happen again. As you you right. leave things the way they are. If you don't fix everything, you're going to end up with the same problem all over again. All right, last question for you guys. A lady writes in, i got a 2010 Ford Edge SE six-cylinder. My mother-in-law had a Ford Edge in the shop recently for shuttering and loss of power. Had it fixed somewhat for $650. Spark plugs, wires replaced, melted ignition coil replaced. The car still shakes badly on idle. The Ford dealer told her that the car needs to be reprogrammed and that it shouldn't be driven over 50 miles per hour. Also, if it burns another ignition coil, bring it back in. I'm trying to find out if they really fixed it or not. What would you think? Got two minutes, guys.
5: Well, what I think is she needs to take it back to them, but that doesn't make sense, that statement.
6: No, it don't make no sense.
5: The, the, the Ford PCMs do have an issue with a coil shorting out and burning the driver up in the PCM. But if they diagnosed it as a coil bad, they should have been able to check that driver. But reprogramming it ain't going to fix that driver. It's going to require a PCM replacement. So, all right. But there's some more things to check here, in there, Doug.
6: Yes. And, and, and like I say, she needs to go back to them and say, hey, look, something ain't right here. You know, this statement you made me, don't drive it over 50 miles an hour, that's not right neither.
3: Why would you ever give a car back to somebody and say, hey, don't drive it over 50 miles an hour if you think it's going to be dangerous? Seems to me you didn't fix the car.
6: Well, you unless you didn't want the
3: Go ahead. You both talked over each other. Go back. Duck, go ahead. Go ahead, Duck.
6: You know, unless you just told them, hey, look, I don't want to spend the money to put a PC on it. And there again, we need to know a little bit more information to, you know, got some questions asked. You know, well, what did they tell you about this? Did, you know, did they tell you you need a PCM or, you know, or something like that? So, you know, but I still say that it needs to be looked at.
3: All right. All right. Well, let me go back to Joe. Joe, what is it you say about fixing cars?
5: Well, it's back to that. Right now, it sounding to me like they're working on it. They ain't fixing it. There you it's go. Between the bumper-to-bumper bumper certified service center, we don't work on them. We fix
3: them. All right. I, that's what I wanted you to tell everybody. All right, time for me to get out of here. Duck, Joe, thanks so much. See you next thanks, Wednesday. Everybody. I'll see everybody tomorrow, 6 a.m., 7 o'clock. The governor is on with me.